Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Uh, We are in week two of a collection of talks called Mind Monsters, where I don't know if you realize this, but there is an all-out war. There is a battle for your mind. It's a battle between what God wants you to think on, which are things that are pure and lovely and praiseworthy and noble and true and right, and what the enemy wants you to think on. And the enemy has a goal for you. Right? The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And what he wants to do is hurt God by hurting you and keeping you locked in a place that you are held hostage to your, your fear, to your doubt, to your worry, to anxiety. And what we're trying to do is uncover some of that and understand who we are in Christ Jesus, that we are not condemned by the enemy. We are not condemned by these, these thoughts that we have. In fact, when we talk about my monsters, we're talking about something that, that seems powerful, but in reality, can I tell you something, has little power at all. Because when we force these mind monsters to the feet of a holy God and cause them to stare up at a holy God, which is why we gather, by the way, to look at him and look at what he wants to do in and through our lives, they have no choice but to flee. That's what the Bible says, that in his name, the enemy will flee. And so we gather today to do that. And I'm praying, I'm praying that for some of you, a weight would be lifted off of you today. I believe that there would be um, people walking out of here lighter than when you came in because of the time spent together today in God's holy word. So what we're gonna do is we are gonna ghost bust some of these mind monsters today that hold us back, that bury us, that tend to block us from becoming all that we are to become in Christ Jesus. Romans 12, two says this, do not conform to the patterns of this world. What, what does that mean? How many of you know there is a current of culture that by the way, you are not required to follow. You understand that? You are not required to drift with the current of culture and just follow the, the direction that they are leading. But instead, here's what we are to do. Be transformed by the what? Say it out loud. By the, say it again, by the renewing of your mind. And I believe we are long overdue for a breakthrough. We are long overdue to have our minds renewed in Christ Jesus from these oftentimes self-inflicted fears of worry and doubt and anxiety. Scripture tells us that there is no weapon that will prosper in our lives, that greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. So the truth is, you need to hear this, you are more powerful than you realize. Did you know that? In Christ Jesus, you are more powerful than you realize. On our own, we are no match for these monsters that plague us. But we are no match for them. They are no match for him. They are no match for God. And so if we have a right view of that today, and it starts with God's word, Psalm 91, verse 1 through 10. This will lay a foundation for our study. It says this, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. He alone is my place of safety. He is my God and I trust in Him. For He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises 
are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid. Look at your neighbor right now and say, don't be afraid. Tell him. Look him in the eye. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday, though a thousand fall at your side. Don't miss this. A thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you. Can I tell you something? If a thousand are falling at your side and 10,000 are dying around you, how close are you to the fight? You're in it. We're in it. We're in the fight. We are in the middle of the battle. Though that's happening, evil will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If, somebody say if. If you make the Lord your refuge. Say it again. If. If you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. In fact, let's read verse 5 and 6 one more time to make sure that we have absorbed it. Do not be afraid of the terror by night. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness. In the darkness. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that's perfect. I pray that you would bless it as we read it. I pray that your Holy Spirit would do his job and reveal to us truth and understanding and guide us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Ben. Love you guys. Um, I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, if. Say, if. And then respond by saying, if what? If what? If the Lord is your refuge. That's what the Bible says, that we don't have to fear, we don't have to be afraid. If he's our refuge, if, right, he is our, our shelter. And I wonder, do you believe that? Do you really believe that you don't have to live in fear? Because full disclosure, oftentimes I'll read promises like this from God, and in my mind I'm thinking, that's easy for you to say, right? Easy, but, but if he said it, how many of you know we can do it? The Bible says he is not a man that he should lie, right? That, that the promises of Jesus are yes and amen. And so if he said it, if he said you and I don't have to be afraid or live in terror or fear, then we can do it. Now, where the rubber meets the road is whether we believe it or not. That's what faith is, is that if we believe it, faith is taking God at his word and believing in the promises of his word that he has given to us, no matter how impossible they seem. Like, you remember when God told a hundred-year-old man, hey, you're going to have a lot of babies, a lot of kids named Abraham? And he's like, you crazy, right? And this is pre-Viagra, pre-Cialis days. And so, like, we're like, that's ridiculous. But yet, if God said it, how many of you know it's going to happen? You can take it to the bank. We can take God at his word. And that's why it's called faith. So even though we have what seems to be a ridiculous request on the surface, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the scariest thing you can imagine, something stalking you in the dark. To me, that sounds terrifying, but if God's word tells us that, then we can have it. And that's what we're going to learn today. How do we defeat these mind monsters of fear and of worry and doubt that stalk us in the dark places of our mind and of our hearts and that keep us from experiencing the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus? How do we do that? In fact, I want to I tag a title to this message. And here's the title. If you want to write it down, if you're a note taker, write it down. If you're not a note taker, write it down anyway. Who's afraid of who? That's my title. Who's afraid of who? How many of you remember as a kid uh, growing up, maybe you'd stay up later and watch TV with your parents 
And then this is how it works in my household. But the, the older you are, the later you get to stay up. And so the younger you are, the earlier, obviously, you have to go to bed. And my boys, they milk this for all it's worth. Because when we send the young one off to bed, they're like, ha ha, see you later, sucker. You know, it's your bedtime. And they love, you know, I got 15 more minutes than you. And they just, they let each other have it. But I don't know when it switches, but there comes a point where you're like, all right, it's time for you to go to bed. Now go by yourself and put yourself to bed. Go brush your teeth, go do all the stuff that you need to, and go to bed. And, and there's this age where you're like thinking, by myself? Like alone? And so you go upstairs by yourself in the dark, putting yourself to sleep. And the only right thing to do in that moment is to sprint by every dark room and as fast as you can, brush your teeth, do what you need to do, and hop in bed, right? Because it, it, the, the night holds all kinds of terrible possibilities in our minds. We're afraid of the dark. Now, growing up, I wasn't necessarily afraid of the dark as much as I was afraid of what things look like in the dark. Anybody else? Like that towel draped over the chair? Looked like a little tiny clown in the corner? We got some people with clown phobias in the room? Getting ready to, you know... I don't know, suck your brains out of you or something, whatever they do. I grew up in the time, like middle school for me, was the, the, the movie about Chucky. Did anybody remember Chucky? And so everything to me was Chucky. I was not allowed to watch Chucky, just so you know, but I saw the preview, and it terrified me. And so everything looked like, like Chucky. Today, I still don't like the dark, but not because of what I'm afraid might jump out of the darkness, more because of what I'm afraid of is in the dark places in the corner of my minds. The scary thoughts, the nightmares, that's what we're talking about today. The scary fears and the nightmares that we have, those have been a problem for me for a good portion of my, my life. And they show up in the form of worry. I'm a professional worrier. Anxiety. Like, like they have robbed me of more peace than I care to admit. And so how can what we read be reconciled, where God so matter-of-factly states we don't have to be afraid of terror in the night. Like, we don't need to dread the disease that stalks us in the darkness. And here's what I've come to realize is that not fearing something is not the same as never feeling afraid. Like, you will feel afraid. That's what the text is telling us. We don't have to fear the dark, but that does not mean we will never be afraid. Why? Because protection is not the same thing as exemption. You know what I'm talking about? Protection versus exemption. How many of you were ever exempt in a class from taking a, a test or, or maybe you transferred from one college to the next and after reviewing your syllabus and reviewing kind of the course material, they decided you wouldn't have to take a similar course and so you were exempt from taking another class. Like exemption is a wonderful thing. Like watching everybody else, you know, take the midterm while you just get to sit there and chill out. That's, that's a great thing. It's beautiful. But protection is not the same thing as exemption. Exemption means you don't have to touch it. Exemption means it never touches you. And so that's not what we have in Christ. In Christ Jesus, what we have is protection in the battles, protection in the wars that we face, not exemption from them. We have protection in them as long as, right, if you and I seek him, put our hope in him, trust him, turn to him in our, in our time of, of fear, then the promise that is given to us is we have protection in them. And we can know that, you know, even though a thousand fall to our side, 10,000 fall around us, what we have in that moment is 
protection, not exemption from it. And I think that's where more of us are than would care to admit. On the front lines of something, this battle that's happening in our mind, in our heart, that we have great protection in, through the power of Jesus, protection in it, but not from it. And so what do we do? What do we do when we have these battles, these these mind monsters plaguing us? Where are we to go? In fact, I want to give us today a battle strategy. Uh, I think today is a day that we are going to take back some ground that the enemy has taken from us. I'm believing that for you, but I want us to kind of lay out a strategy against these mind monsters. Here's the first thing I want you to jot down we have to do is draw an accurate conclusion. What do you mean? I mean, you are not your scary thoughts. You need to know that. We need to see and understand what's happening right. You are not the thoughts that pass through your minds, no matter how scary they are, no matter how paralyzing they might be, because the enemy would love for you and love for me to be defined by the monsters in our minds. And while we might not always have a choice of what comes into our mind, how many of you know we have a choice of what conclusion we bring to what comes into our mind? Are you with me? We get to choose that. We get to choose whether or not we let those things take up residence in our heart or we let them just simply pass through. You have a choice of what you dwell on versus what you just dismiss. And so we get to determine that. And the enemy wants you to dwell on it. He wants you to be defined by it. He wants you to stay stuck in that that fear. He wants you to feel condemned for even having those thoughts because he knows God's word better than we do. And he knows where God says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so he constantly wants you to think on those things that would destroy you, that would tell you uh, things that are contrary to who God says that you are. But again, I need to remind you, those thoughts are not you. We need to draw an accurate conclusion. To those thoughts. So, Colby, where do the thoughts come from? Where do these my monsters of worry and fear come from? Well, I don't know what you believe about this, um, but I believe one of the places they come from is through spiritual warfare. Like, I don't know what, what kind of runs through your mind when you hear that, uh, but we preach, you know, here on the, the full, you know, scripture, full of God's word, and, and we believe no matter what translation you read, you can't escape the fact that there is a battle happening right now that is unseen. That's what the Bible tells us. The battle between principalities in this dark world. There are forces, there are angels and demons right now. And so I think a lot of this is the result of the spiritual warfare that we face. The enemy wants to hurt you. He wants to hurt you. And he hurts God by hurting, hurting you. So those terrifying thoughts could be a part of the spiritual warfare that's happening, but they're also, number two, the result of a broken world. How many of you know that's true? We live in a fallen and broken world. And because of that, from the earliest of ages, we are introduced into an atmosphere of anxiety and worry. I'm talking early, early on. I saw in a grocery store uh, magazine, Time Magazine, and the heading was, this is the age of anxiety. That's what we're living in. And some of you feel that, some of you carry that, some of you constantly have this low-grade anxiety living over your life and over your heart. And again, from the earliest of age, we are conditioning our children to grow up in this atmosphere of worry and of doubt and of, of fear. I don't know how many times, you know, even in, in middle school or high school or el- elementary school or even till today, did we feel like no one likes us, 
You know, we weren't, we weren't good enough. No one wanted to be our friend. And I think we feel that way because of we live in a fallen and broken world, but also because there's spiritual warfare. But here's the third reason why they come. I want you to write this down is because, unfortunately, we choose it. We choose to worry. How many of you know we have three enemies? We have the devil, the world, and ourselves. And it's the fleshly part of us that chooses how we're going to respond to fear and temptation in our lives. So sometimes we have these thoughts because we choose to allow what's in our head migrate and take up residence into our heart. And so we need to first and foremost make sure we draw an accurate conclusion when these mind monsters start coming. And just again, to remind you, you are not your scary thoughts and you are also not the only one with them. Like you're not. You're not alone in your fear. You're not alone in your anxiety. You're not alone in your doubts or in your worry, the thoughts that terrorize you. Like you are not the only one with them. We all have them, all of us, including Jesus. Did you know that? Jesus had thoughts. In fact, do you remember Jesus' 40 days of terror where the enemy took him and was tempting him in the, in the wilderness saying, like, what kind of scary thoughts? Thoughts like jump off of this cliff. Thoughts like don't follow through with God's plan for your life and, and go to the cross. Thoughts like you should bow down and worship Satan, the devil. Like Jesus had those thoughts that would cause terror in his life, that would steal peace in his life. Jesus had thoughts that would, that would take him off of the mission that God had for him. He had those kinds of, of thoughts. Think about the Garden of Gethsemane, the darkest hour of Jesus's life. Some of you remember it, but in Mark 14, 32, it says he, talking about Jesus, plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. You ever been there in your life? What could feel like the sinkhole of, of agony? In fact, Jesus was so crushed by the thoughts that he was having, it caused a physical effect and capillaries under his skin began to burst and he would sweat out drops of blood. It's a condition called hematidrosis. And so that's how scared and terrified that he was in that moment. And all of us know that there is a physical effect to, to stress in our life. It, it causes high blood pressure, it causes ulcers in our life. It's so harmful for us to live under that kind of pressure of stress and worry and fear. We have to draw accurate conclusions. Are you with me? Number one, draw accurate conclusions. Number two, write this down, defend your borders. So what are we to do when these mind monsters come in fear and doubt and worry? Well, we don't just deal with them as they creep into our minds. No, we proactively put a defense strategy in place. And my question to you would be, how are these thoughts getting in? Like what's causing the breakdown in your defenses to allow these, these mind monsters infiltrate your mind? Or what about the borders of your heart? How are you protecting your heart and your mind? There will still be times in your life where we are blindsided by an all out attack, one that we did not see coming, but what can we do now to secure our defenses? Because how many of you know prevention is always easier than the cure? Is that not true? Prevention is always easier than the treatment. I'll prove it to you. It's a whole lot easier to lose 30 pounds if you didn't gain it in the first place. Are you with me? If you prevented it from happening in the first place. It's a whole lot easier. Prevention is so much easier than the cure. Unfortunately, most of our strategy 
when it comes to the mind monsters because it's not just about what we choose to turn off, but it's about what we choose to, to turn on. Most of our strategy when it comes to dealing with these mind monsters has been to just play whack-a-mole. Anybody remember whack-a-mole from Chuck E. Cheese or from wherever? I don't know if they still have whack-a-mole. I think whack-a-mole got canceled back in 2020 as well with everything else because uh, you can't whack moles. You can't do that. That's terrible to moles. And so I think they, they took it away. But what happens is like how our strategy goes is when the fear pops up, we whack the mole. We whack the fear. My question is like, where's the hole in the fence? that's allowing these little things to get in in the first place. Like we need to do some fence repair work in our minds so that these little moles can't get in. And that's what Proverbs 3.21 tells us. It says, my son, let them, talking about scripture, talking about God's word, let them not, do not depart from your eyes. Like don't, let it, don't let it go. In other words, be vigilant with this. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. They will be life to your soul. They will be grace around your neck. Don't let it depart. And then we see the byproduct of being vigilant because it uses the word then. Verse 23, it says, then. When you do this, right, cause and effect, then you will walk safely in your way. Your foot will not stumble. You will lie down. You will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and you will sleep. It says this, and your sleep will be sweet. How many of you know there's nothing like a good nap? Good sleep where you're not tossing and turning. Nothing refreshes you like a, a good sleep. Do not be afraid then of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. In other words, he's saying do everything you can to make your heart an environment that is inhospitable to terror. Everything you can to make sure your mind and your heart are inhospitable, unwelcoming territory to terror. How do we do that? How do we, how do, we do that in our mind and our heart? Here's how you do it. You make sure your mind and your heart are soaked in the praises of God. You make your, sure your mind is soaked in God's word. You make sure your heart is soaked with worship soaked with, with praise for him. You make sure that the voice of God is louder than any other voice in your life. Are you with me? That's how we do it. That's how we proactively put up defenses. This will cause your mind to be a place where you're not having to deal with so many moles and just whack them as they come up. Like it will cause them to not come up anymore because we've done the advanced work of proactively defending our borders. In fact, I'll say it like this. How many of you know if you leave crumbs out in your kitchen, bugs come? Is that not true? Bugs or rodents or whatever. So can I ask you this? What crumbs are you leaving out in your mind, in your life, that is attracting the mind monsters? What are you leaving out that's bait for the mind monsters? Like what, Colby? Like negative thoughts? You know what? That's bait. That's, that's attractant to the mind monsters. What about greed? What about jealousy? Envy? Pride? Pride is, is a magnet for mind monsters. Or what about worry? Like worry. Worry's, like, worry's kind of like seagulls. How, how many of you know if you feed a seagull, it doesn't just go away. What happens? It comes back with all his homies, too. It brings everybody with them. And that's what worry is like. Like, like if you feed that... Right? It's going to stick around, and it's only going to get worse. So are you, are you reading God's word? Are you soaking your life in his word? Like, what are you watching right before you go to bed at night? 
Is it bait for my monsters to come along? Like, are you giving the devil footholds in your life that can become strongholds? What is it that you are looking at right when you wake up in the morning? Social media? It's bait. It's a magnet when you should be. I I say this, you need to start your day and end your day if you can with God's word. Like, soak your mind and your heart in God's word. Otherwise, you are inviting the enemy to feed on the fears in your life. Here's a third one. Write this down. Then we launch a counter strike. Launch a counter strike. Because you're doing your part. You are defending your borders. But what happens when you get blindsided? What happens when, when fear comes anyway? Worry comes anyway? Anxiety and doubt come anyway? Because there are those of you that are saying, Colby, I'm here at church. I'm doing my part to soak my mind, to soak my heart in God's word. That's why I'm here. I, I read my Bible in the morning. I have my version plan, you know, that I'm following every single day. Well, what about when I'm doing those things and I still get attacked? Well, that's when you and I take evasive action and launch a counter strike. Because God's promises are always revealed in our participation. Every single time. In fact, put verse 5 back up on the screen for me. It says this in 91 verse 5. It says, you shall not be afraid. Right? This is a promise from God. You shall not be afraid of the terrors of night, uh, of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. That's a promise of God. He's promising something. But look again at verse 9 and 10. If. If. If you participate, if you make the Lord your your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, if whenever there is a promise, it requires our participation. Uh, I'll say it like this. How many of you know that, let's say you you won a contest, and as the the prize for the contest, what you won was Chick-fil-A waffle fries for life. How many of you know that's a good contest? And I'm sorry for bringing up Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. That's my bad. That's on me. McDonald's got good fries too. I'm just saying. But let's just say, like, you were the winner of this contest. And the contest winner, you got a card that said Chick-fil-A waffle fries for life with all the Chick-fil-A dipping sauce you could have. Now I'm preaching to somebody. Dipping sauce, that's so good. Well, how many of you know it's a big difference between having the card in your pocket that says waffle fry winner, winner for life versus having the waffle fries in your belly, right? There's a big difference. And so in order to get the promise, you would have to, you know, take the card, drive down to Chick-fil-A, not the one on Peach Street because it's still closed, on the 12th 12th Street Chick-fil-A. You'd have to go down there. You'd have to explain to the the 14-year-old behind the counter that you're the Chick-fil-A waffle fry winner for life. Show them the card. They would say, my pleasure, because that's what they say all the time. And only then would you get the promise of the waffle fries for life, right? It's not like Chick-fil-A is going to pull up a truck to your garage, and unload waffle fries for a lifetime. That's not the way it works. It's not going to be a lump sum. It's going to be paid out in doses as long as you take advantage of what you have been given. And that's what we're saying is when, when, when God says you shall not be afraid of tears by night, it's not like he backs up a truck full of limitless peace and unloads it. And it's all the peace that you will ever need. And whenever you feel afraid, whenever you feel terror, like you just reach into your peace deposit and you pull it out. No, it's more like a drip IV. Where as long as you stay connected to the source, 
it drips over and over in your life. That's what Isaiah 26, 3 tells us. It says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose what? Thoughts are fixed on you. As long as you fix your thoughts on him, the promise of God is that you will be kept in perfect peace as your thoughts are fixed. You and I have to be willing to participate in that promise. It's like we just get enough for the moment. As long as we remain connected to the source, as long as we're willing to take advantage of the peace that's available to us in Christ Jesus. And so we launch a counter-offensive, a counter-strike by keeping our mind fixed on, on him. And this is, by the way, what Jesus did. This is, by the way, what he teaches us to do so beautifully in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's where we lost, last left him. He was in this, this sinkhole of, of agony, and he did two things, two things that are amazing in their simplicity, but profound in their effect, profound in the result. The first thing he did, I want you to write this down, was that he took it to God. Colby, that's so easy. I know. It's easy. Take it to God. When Jesus was in this moment and his soul was exceedingly troubled and he had this fear uh, welling up inside of him, he said, I'm afraid. In fact, this is what he said, God, I'm afraid of this mission that you have me on. If there's any way for me not to do this, if there's any way that this cup could pass from me, and I, what I want you to see is that he named his, his fear. And through naming it, through verbalizing it, he actually distances himself from it. This is massive because the enemy wants you to believe your fear is yours alone to carry. But can I tell you something? You were never meant to carry it. It was never meant to be on you. So as we bring it before God and putting it out there for God to carry, the only one who can carry it, then we become free from it. Jesus told God what he was afraid of. And when you do that, this dark thing that the enemy would love to suffocate you, to keep you stuck where you are, this dark thing, there, there all of a sudden is a light that shines on it. And it is forced to the feet of the Father, is forced to look up at a holy God and run in terror from a holy God. Are you with me? That's what Jesus does. He gives us this perfect template of what to do. Take it to God. He told the Father what he was afraid of. God, this terrifies me. Now, will God... Always remove it just like that? No. Because in Jesus' case, he didn't. Jesus was still going to the cross. Jesus was still going to complete the mission that God gave him. What did Jesus say? Nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. So he was still going to do it, but now he did so with great power over it. You might still have to face this fear that you have, but now you do so with the power of God over it. You don't do it alone because you have named it and given it to God. So take it to God. Take it to God. And the second thing, this is like a one-two punch. Here's the punch number two. And that is you wake up your friends. Because if you read on in the story of Jesus in the garden, he walks about 10 paces over and he says, Peter, James, and John, like, like, will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? I think we have lost the, the understanding of how powerful praying for one another actually is. He says, will you pray with me? I'm hurting. I'm scared. You know what? I'm still going to go through with this. I still have to go to the cross and do what God's called me to do. But I'm terrified. Will you pray with 
me. There's so much power that comes from having people pray for you. And somewhere along the way, we've forgotten this because as children, we understood what it meant to go tell someone we were scared. Remember, you know, running into your parents' room at night when you had a, a nightmare or something was, was, was terrifying you? And just letting somebody know that's what he's telling us to do. You need to grab someone and tell them what you're afraid of. Listen, if the Son of God, who created the heavens and the earth, right, was wise enough to grab a few friends and needed to grab a few friends, why are some of you living in a nightmare that you have told no one about? Like, when's that going to stop? Take it to God and then text a few friends. Take it to God, text a few friends. Tell them what is, is going on. Jesus had, had 12 you know, guys that he rolled with. He had three that he could bear his soul to. Three that knew everything. And he's modeling for us the way to get through the dread of dark times in our life. Tell God, text a few friends, how simple is that? He's giving us this template for how to, how to feed our faith and not our fears that we have. Here's the last one. Come on, band, help me close this down. And this one might be my favorite one. And that is after we've done all these things, we've launched a counter-strike. Now we exploit the enemy weaknesses because you need to know this. When the devil messes with you, he done messed up. He messed up. He has made a grave mistake. He's made a huge mistake because every time he brings terror to something, whatever it is in our minds, he's forcing us to come to the conclusion that that something is important, that that something is valuable. Otherwise, why mess with it? Why cause you to have fear or doubt or worry or anxiety? When we feel those worthless kinds of thoughts, those dark thoughts in our mind, oftentimes we feel like they, they are us, but can I tell you something? The exact opposite is the truth. Because the devil is a liar. That's what the Bible says. He's a liar. There is no truth in him. He cannot tell the truth. And so the only reason the enemy would attack you is because he knows there is value in you. In fact, the only reason he would have those thoughts into your mind that you're worthless, that you're no good, is because he knows there is worth, so much worth inside of you that he wants you to feel worthless. That's the only reason why. This is what he did to, to Jesus in, in his 40 days of terror. He said, you know what? If you, if you bow down and worship me, and then I'll give you this and I'll give you that. You can turn this into that. You can have instant gratification. You can take a shortcut. Jesus knew the devil was a liar. And he said, no, I'm going to do the exact opposite. I'm going to take the hard road. When he said, you don't have to fulfill the mission of God by going to the cross. Just worship me instead. You know what Jesus did? He said, I'm going to set my face like flint towards Jerusalem. And I'm going to the cross. Whatever the devil says is a lie. He is a liar. And so we do the exact opposite. And so this is what I want to tell you. Like this has been my prayer that we would walk out of here no longer dreading the darkness, but that you and I would rise up and be a terror to the darkness, that we would use the, the devil's medicine against him, that we would say, you have no power. I have no more fear because of you, because whatever it is you're telling me is a lie. And you know it's valuable. And so I am not going to let you steal my peace 
or rob me of my joy in this life. And so I'm going to fix my thoughts on Jesus. And I'm going to rise up. I will not go quietly into the night. I'm going to put up a fight. And I'm going to take back the ground that you have taken from me. Who's afraid of who? Come on, who's afraid of who? I'm not afraid of you, devil. You're going to be afraid of me. I'm praying that the Spirit of God just rises up inside of you. The Spirit that says He's not giving you a spirit of fear. In fact, it says a spirit of power, love, and what? A sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind. And the only reason why the devil would attack you and opposes you having a sound mind is because he knows what a you with a sound mind can do. He knows what a you with a sound mind, the mind of Christ, can do. He knows what a you with a mind that has peace and joy in your life can do. And he is terrified of it. And so he wants to keep you locked in a prison of fear and doubt and darkness and depression. And so let's use that against him and say, you know what? I'm not going to be subject to the kingdom of darkness. I'm going to bring the darkness to the kingdom of darkness. You're going to be terrified of me. Are you with me? Let's stand to our feet and we're going to worship. Heavenly Father, thank you for not giving us a spirit of fear. And if your word says it, then we can take it to the bank. But of power, love, and a sound mind as we fix our minds and thoughts on you, God. So today I pray for every person in this room that we would do that, that we would understand how valuable we are, and that we will begin right now to take back the ground that the enemy has taken from us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources to help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate, go to elevatechurch.com give. Thank you for living generously. We hope you enjoyed this message. Have a great week.